and love at the feet of Jesus we cry holy 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 we cry holy 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 we cry
members and visitors to our 1045 service here at Preston Crest Church of Christ. My name is Jeff Clevenger. I am one of your elders, and we're happy to have you join us, both physically or virtually, through our streaming. If you are a first-time visitor, please fill out the attendance card in the back of the pew and take it to our information desk in the foyer. We want to welcome you with a special gift and also get to know you better as we see you after the service. Please take time now, if you haven't done so already, to, to fill out to check in to church teams at the number on the screen behind me, I hope. Uh, this is critical for our response team to know who is attending in case of safety or security events. The weekend of February 3, 4, and 5 is scheduled for telling the story. A conference on evangelism and church growth. People from several states have registered. The conference includes outstanding speakers from throughout the country and from Preston Crest. This conference would be both uplifting and inspiring. If you have not registered, please do so at PrestonCrest.org forward slash story and scroll to the bottom of the screen for the registration buttons. Please join me for prayer. Dear Father in heaven, help us to abide by the first and second commandments as cited by Jesus Christ. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Help us to grow in spiritual growth through actions, praise, and biblical learning. Thank you for physical comforts abundance of food, and freedom of religion. Help us not to covet, as mentioned in the 10th commandment. Because we are blessed with so much, help us to share these with blessings with others. As Solomon prays for wisdom, give us wisdom to make good decisions and show common sense. Help us in our voice and language not to use empty or offensive words. 
Help us to feed our minds with wholesome information as to purify our thoughts. Thank you for Christ who died upon the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And we are so thankful that he is our avenue of prayer to you. We pray for those receiving care for cancer and others with major illness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Please listen to the call to worship, Isaiah 40, 31. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Thanks, Jeff. Church, let's stand and let's sing this morning. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Strength will rise as we wait upon the Lord. Wait upon the Lord. We will wait upon the Lord. Our God, you
please. We're going to sing one more song, and then Jared Henry is going to come and lead us around the bread and around the cup this morning. Let's sing. Good morning. I've been tasked with guiding our thoughts in the Lord's Supper this morning. Um, for those who are, are not familiar, uh, this is also called communion. Um, something we do um, as a church, as commanded by Jesus. Um, and we find this, uh, I'll pull from Luke's account, um, chapter 22, when he says, and he took the bread and we had given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise the cup, after they had eaten, saying, This cup that is poured out for you is the new covenant in my blood. Um, and what I appreciate about Preston Crest, and um, we do, we do, this is on a weekly basis that we do this, and this is not about me, but I'd like to just express why I'm grateful that we do it so frequently. Um, for me... Communion is kind of my weekly reset. Uh, when I was much younger, um, I'd be playing out in the woods or in a large field or at a sports complex or somewhere, and I was old enough to kind of have autonomy of where I played, but still young enough to have to check in with my dad. And so if I'd be real far off, as long as I was with an eyesight, I would just look over and kind of give a nonverbal nod, and that was our check-in of like, hey, we're okay keep doing what, what you're doing. 
And for me, if nothing else, communion is my weekly check-in. Um, at my worst, when I come to the table, um, it's not ideal, but sometimes it's reality. And my life is not where, where the priorities should be. Um, sometimes I show up Sunday morning, go to Bible class, open this up for the first time that week, um, and come service, get distracted, and then afterwards go about my afternoon chores and then plunge into Monday morning work and just on, on a loop. At my best, which is not as frequent, um, I feel like all, my, all aspects of my life are balanced and Christ is my priority. And so regardless of where I'm at on that spectrum, communion is kind of my hard stop. It's when I can kind of sit back, the singing stops for a moment, and that's when I kind of reconnect with my creator. And so please join me as I remind myself, but all of us, that the creator of the earth, who made you and me, loves us dearly, and so much so to come down here and give his life for us that we can live with him. And he did that not for his own failures because he has none. He was, he was perfect. He had no sins. He did that so that we could live for our failures, uh, so we could live with him forever. So please join me as I pray for the bread. Father in heaven, we're thankful for this opportunity to gather here this morning. Not all are able to do that, and we do, we do not discard that that gratitude for that blessing. Um, we ask that you bless this time as we remember what your son did for us on this earth, um, the example he set, and the sacrifice that he gave, uh, of which none of us could bear to do, um, so that we could live with him forever, should we believe in him and work for his kingdom. We thank you for that immensely, and we ask that you bless us as we take this bread. As I pray, Amen. And now I'll pray for the cup. Father, above, we come to you again. Um, asking you to bless this, this cup as we take it together as your church. We ask that we never forget the details that are available to us of what Jesus went through and that we always carry that with reverence and respect um, for what that was, though it was undeserving. He did it for us. Um, and let us always continue our lives here on this earth uh, pushing toward the goal and serving you. Thank you again for your son. In his name I pray. Amen.
this morning. You can drop that in the box in the very center of our foyer once uh, our time is completed this morning. If you are giving online, as so many of you are, thank you. However you choose to give, we are so glad that you do and uh, you're helping further God's work in this place. And uh, Stephen Miller, one of our shepherds, has got a word about uh, the, uh, the previous year's giving, just a word of, of quick thanks and uh, a word about our conference as well. Steve-O, come on, let's go. Can I call an elder Steve-O? I don't know if I can do that. Or, I just did. No, I am I'm so repenting. Sorry. I'm repenting. Thanks, John Scott. Good morning, everyone. On behalf of the elders, I would like to express our deep gratitude for the generosity shown in your giving last year. Not only did we meet our forecasted plans, we exceeded them, allowing us to navigate 2022's economic challenges while continuing to meet our ongoing financial commitments. After receiving nearly 4.5 million in contributions, we were able to fully fund our local ministries, provide support to our missionaries, address capital needs and one-time requests throughout the year. The giving nature of this congregation continues to be an incredible blessing to the leadership at Preston Crest. Thank you again. Now we begin looking into the good works for 2023. One of our good works is the Telling the Story Conference this next month. Almost a year ago, the ministers and elders met to identify certain needs in our ministries and how they can be fulfilled. Evangelism, or creating new disciples through sharing the gospel of Christ, was a common theme of our workshop, and we agreed that need to be a renewed, a renewed focus. Plans were put into place to host a conference and provide some of the finest teachers around the country, including Preston Crest ministry staff elders, and some of our own members to participate. Our keynote uh, speakers and teachers will challenge and equip us to share the good news of Christ with different segments of our community in a loving and effective way. This congregation has always embraced Christ's great commission in sharing the gospel with others, and we pray that you will take advantage of this conference on our own campus. The elders seek the congregation's full support in attending the conference, volunteering, but most importantly, benefiting from its purpose. 
Before we watch the next promotional video for the conference, would you please bow with me? Father, thank you for your great love and your blessings over our lives. We are grateful that your favor has no end, but it lasts for our entire lifetime. May we have Christ's attitude of humility and thankful acceptance. Teach us the power of a thankful heart. Thank you for this congregation and their generous hearts in the way they give of their resources, of their time, and their energy to support all of the missions and ministries of your church. Thank you for the talents and abilities of our ministers and staff in teaching, equipping, and preparing this church to grow in our faith and the sharing of the good news. We pray you will continue to lead us in our good works in this coming year to fulfill the needs in our ministries and in our own personal growth. Bless the Telling the Story Conference and for all the speakers as they teach, as well as the recipients of their messages on how to be more bold and powerful in sharing the great news of your son. Again, Father, thank you for the way you always love and provide for us and the ways you continue to bless us every day. We offer this prayer in the name of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you for the cross, Lord. With 30 different teachers on the program, you might be wondering, how do I choose a class to attend? The conference has been purposefully designed with six different tracks of study. Shining Your Light, Redemption and Salvation, First Principles, Family Ministry, Ladies Ministry, and Equipping the Church. Under each track, there are five different classes. Maybe you want to attend a few classes from each track. Maybe you want to focus in one area. Whatever your passion or interest, you can't go wrong. We have some of the best teachers from across the country, including some of our very own Preston Crest members. The only way you can miss out is by not being here. We hope to see you in just a few weeks at the Telling the Story Church Growth and Evangelism Conference. You can learn more at pressandcrest.org backslash story. All right, and this weekend, we've got our men's breakfast coming up on Saturday. Uh, so guys, hey, bring your neighbors, bring your friends. We're going to have a massive breakfast. Anything you could ever want or dream or imagine for breakfast, we're having it here. Biscuits and gravy, pancakes, I'm telling you, man, we're having it all. So hey, and then Gordon's going to come and talk, so there's that too. So we got that, so yeah, hey. Biscuits and gravy and Dr. Dabs, that's a great, that's a great Saturday. Yeah, okay. Hey, come on. It's, it's good. Starting at 8 p.m. 8 on uh, Saturday morning. And tonight we've got our chili cook-off. Please make plans to come back at 6 o'clock. If you are bringing chili tonight, we ask that you be here in place at 5.30 so that we can get everything set up and running well uh, by Oh, about 6, 6.30. We'll have a devotional in here at 6, and then we'll dismiss and uh, enjoy the rest of the evening around a big old bowl of chili. Y'all come back tonight. Help us set up. Help us tear down. Uh, bring a dessert if you want to to help us with that as well. But uh, please make plans to come back for chili tonight. Let's stand. We're going to send kids up to Children's Church. We'll get that done, and we're going to sing one more, and Gordon's going to come share with us.
Let the King of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, is my song. Let the King of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, is my song. You are Welcome him into our midst today. He is our honored guest. He is our, our God, the one we worship, and he, is, he speaks to us, and he loves to hear us also speak to him with praise and adoration. Uh, soon, I mean, next week, we're starting the Financial Peace University nine-week uh, workshop, and wow, what a difference this has made in just loads of families here at Preston Crest in their financial lives. If you're struggling with debt or other financial issues, just kind of need a plan based on biblical principles and uh, proven uh, tips and practices, you'll want to be part of this. On average, during this nine-week class, $5,300 of debt is eliminated per family. And like $3,700 is set aside for emergencies. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. For the rest of your life, you've got these new financial habits and you can live in freedom. And it is a beautiful thing. So information, bulletin, front cover, lower right-hand side, there's a blue advertisement there. There's stuff on the website as well. Uh, But sign up quick because it starts next week. All right. Walking in wisdom. We started doing that last week in our series. We're looking at how do we operate in this reality. Like our reality is different from the one folks had 10, 20 years ago. We are bombarded with information, updates, notifications every single day, which is good in a way. It's also challenging. It's never been more easy to get information, but it's never been more challenging to be wise because in this fire hydrant flood of information, how do we process? How do we filter? How do we determine what is important, what's not so important? And like the sources, which sources can we trust are reliable and which are maybe a little more sketchy. So we're 
discovering that um, to, uh, this series uh, as we go through God's Word. Like Proverbs 2.6 tells us that God is the source of wisdom and understanding. So we are turning to God for help so that we may become wise people. And here's the thing. Um, being wise blesses every aspect of your life. Every relationship, every choice, every career move, every ministry decision. When you are wise, you are flourishing as God intended you to. When you are not wise and well-informed, then you are being diminished and you are getting yourself into trouble. And we've probably all experienced that. I was thinking back uh, a book Brett McCracken wrote called The Wisdom Pyramid that kind of sparked my interest in doing this series. He talks about the food pyramid. Remember when we grew up with the food pyramid? I think it started in the 70s. This idea that, you know, at the bottom of the pyramid you have what you most need, like grains and things. Uh, 45 to 60 percent of your diet, I think, needs to be there. And then you work up fruits and vegetables. And then you work in, up into some proteins and some eggs and some meats. And then at the very top, what you need but need less of, we're talking about sugars and fats and things like that. And so this has guided the way we've thought about food and nutrition for a long time. McCracken does this. He talks about making a wisdom pyramid. Like at the bottom, you've got the Word of God. That's the foundational piece that we turn to. It's reliable. It's the cornerstone of the wisdom diet. And then you've got, you know, your church family, older, wiser people that you can turn to and ask for advice and insight based on your experiences. What would you tell me to do here? Um, you've got other things like uh, nature and beauty and books and literature and art and all of this. Uh, God can inform us through, through that. Not as reliable as Scripture, but certainly there are lessons to be gleaned there. And then social media, internet. Yeah, there's some good stuff there too, but it requires uh, a much greater effort in terms of filtering, in terms of not just taking what we see at face value. Um, so that's kind of the orientation here. Um, so we're going to talk about the Bible today. We all need wisdom, and that is the cornerstone of our wisdom diet. Um, and we've got so much information, we need to process that. So wisdom is going to function sort of like a healthy kidney. You know what the kidney does, right? It retains what is good and healthy, and it cast aside what is waste or what is toxic to your body. And so that's what we want to do. Wisdom does that for our lives. Uh, the book of Proverbs says in chapter 16, verse 16, how much better to get wisdom than gold? To get understanding is to be chosen rather than silver. Like you can have a pile of money, you may or may not be a good husband, a good father, a good decision maker, a good disciple of Christ. But if you're wise, it's of much more value because it will bless those other areas, all areas of your life. Um, I saw this on the, a box of Reese's Puffs a while back. You know, they always put toys in these children's cereals. You've got actual reality glasses Right? You're supposed to cut this out, and that little boy's got them on there, and there's nothing there. You're just looking out into the real world. And I love the idea. How we need people to put on their actual reality glasses. And you probably can't read the fine print there, but it has some wonderful little things. Like it says, 
<laughs> uh, it says, <laughs> it's just like real life, <laughs> dot, 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 because it is. Uh, and then the instructions say, cut them out, put them on, get blown away. Yeah. Man, how we need some actual reality glasses these days. And that gets us to the Bible. We have a written revelation from the creator of all things. From the one who holds reality in his hands. The author, the beginning, the end. Did he have to give us the Bible? Did he have to give us a written revelation? Well, no, he didn't. But he loves us and he wants us to have the benefit of his clarity and insight about where we're from, about where we are, about where we're going. And so God gives us the Bible. The Holy Scriptures are for us and they can be for all people actual reality glasses helping us to see the way things actually are. So hopefully you read the Bible or listen to the Bible. Hopefully you have regular Bible encounters as part of your information diet. That is incredibly important. And I would say this, as actual reality goggles, they are the lens through which you look. When we read the Bible, I pray that you're not just seeing words on a page, but that it is, you are seeing, you're not looking at Scripture, but you're looking through Scripture. That it influences the way you see yourself, you see your circumstances, and you see where you and your family are headed. King David wrote a lot of the Psalms, right? Uh, the longest psalm by far, in fact, the longest chapter in the Bible is Psalm 119. There are a hundred and, I think, 76 verses in this psalm, and it is David's tribute to the Bible. He just can't stop singing and talking and thinking about what a blessing it is having the law of God, having the written revelation from his Lord. And he says in verse 105, your word, you've probably heard this before, your word is a lamp unto my feet, a light to my path. In other words, your word eliminates for me, illuminates rather, where I am. It's a lamp to my feet. I can see where I'm standing. I can get my bearings, my orientation. And also, it's a lamp to my path, right? It lights up the way forward for me. Thank you, God, for giving me, for giving us your word. Thank you for loving us enough to give us this lamp to help us see, to help us look through and observe the world that we live in. And you think scripture, well, what's, how practical is scripture? Well, you can't get past the first four words of the Bible without seeing actual reality. The Bible opens up in Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God. It tells us at the very first phrase of Scripture, this story is not about you. You are not the center of the universe. Long before we came along, God was and God created and, and God is the one who is at the center. In the beginning, God, not us. And so the world, it just tells me from the start, hey Gordon, this doesn't all revolve around you. 
Now quickly, without digging, fleshing out a lot of the details, I'll just give you four. If you go to Scripture and you look through these actual reality goggles, you're going to see four things in this biblical worldview. The first is creation. We are here. The stars are here. Everything is here because God made it. God created. Um, and, and it all belongs to him. It all exists for him. We are made in the image of God. And then the second thing, the fall, all right? Adam and Eve sinned. We have all sinned. The fall means that we have chosen to rebel against the creator of the universe. We have been sinful. And, and so we live in this world that is in conflict where we're in conflict with God, with each other, even with nature, because we've chosen to live outside of the parameters that God set up. Then we've got redemption, the third part of this biblical worldview. It tells us that while there is this gap because of our sin between us and God, God bridged the gap with the God-man, with Jesus, the incarnation of God Almighty. He is brought us together, and then finally, restoration. I love this one. As I look out and see so many things broken in the world, so many people hurting, I'm reminded by the Bible, God will inaugurate a glorious future where all things are made right, where Christ has judged sin and evil, and the world is purged from all of that, and there are a new heavens and a new earth. The scriptures tell us this is the world you occupy. This is your actual reality. This is where you are, and this is where you are headed. And so that is just, the Bible is different. <laughs> the Bible is, is the only history book that writes history in advance. It confidently tells us this is what's going to happen. And it's been proven over and over again through the prophecies of Scripture. It, it does. It does, in fact, happen that way. And so, yes, I may benefit from a, a YouTube video on how to do something, DIY stuff, or the counsel from a friend, you know, in a text message, or something like that. Um, but Scripture presents to me, in a way nothing else does, the way things work are, actual reality. And when I understand that, I begin to understand the darkness inside of me, my own sin struggles. I see how God, the creator, intervened in my life, in our world to save me, to make things right. And the path, it's illuminated. And I know where to go. In my here and now with whatever sicknesses and struggles and setbacks, I know where to turn because God's wisdom is orienting me. And I can see that when I look around and I feel awful about what I see on the news or in my own little world, I know that God is not done with this place. That everything is headed toward this beautiful redemption in Christ. All creation, Paul writes, groans for its day of redemption when Christ will make all things right. And so we are by nature in Christ an optimistic people, a faithful people who know God is not done with this place. You know, Jesus, 
Jesus, the God-man, he elevates Scripture for us. Uh, he had this little debate with the devil. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, man shall not live by just the bottom of the food pyramid, just by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Jesus is saying, yep, you need food. You need to have that nutrition for your body, but you also need that nutrition that comes from the Word of God for your soul, for your life. Um, so that is this foundational part of the, the wisdom pyramid, the Word of God. And if I'm going to flourish, I'm going to spend a lot of time there. Now what happens, guys? What happens is we take the pyramid and we flip it upside down. Whoop! The things that I should be using sparingly, that I should really be questioning, that the things that I can't totally trust, I'm turning to those all the time. And then the Word of God, using very sparingly. Like, I mean, I could lay down the gauntlet today and say, hey, everybody, what I want you to do is for the next 72 hours, I want you to take that smartphone, I want you to put it in a drawer at home, and you're not going to open that up for 72 hours. And a lot of you guys would say, that's impossible. I have to have it for work or for this or for that. I have to have it. Or maybe you'd say, ah, I'll try it, but it's going to be really hard. Now, here's the sad truth. If I asked, if I asked you guys, okay, I need for you to set the Bible aside for 72 hours and not read it, nothing would change about your life. You don't open it anyway. You see what we do? We flip the pyramid upside down. We're constantly turning to the notifications, the updates, everything going on on our phones, and we're not leaning into this bread that Jesus tells us about, the Word of God. Um, so actual reality check. We need to get that thing flipped in the right way and lean into God's Word more and more sparingly the stuff that we see on Facebook and Twitter. Um, now, uh, here's what Brett McCracken says. It's, it's a good point. He says, if we are to become wise, our information diet must begin begin with the Bible. It must be our solid foundation as well as the grid through which all of the other sources are tested. In a world of information overload, the Bible is graciously concise and yet comprehensive. In a world where information is fleeting and unreliable, the Bible is an ancient book that endures every age. And in a world of to each his own truth, where one's inner compass is supposedly a trustworthy guide, the Bible represents an infinitely more reliable source of knowledge and truth God himself. Yes. So, God's word. I want to base my life on that. My thinking, my understanding about my circumstances, my understanding about what's important. And beyond God's word, Gordon, aren't there other authorities in life? Yes, there are. Uh, there are other sources of insight and inspiration and information. And yet, the Bible is the cornerstone. It's the only source of wisdom and understanding that I I can trust a hundred percent. It's never going to lead me astray. As Paul wrote to his protege Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 3 verse 16, all, put a circle around that, all scripture is inspired literally 
God breathed. All scripture is God breathed. Useful. I like useful things in my life. Useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong with our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. It is a reliable wisdom guide on life's journey, whether you're talking about spiritual matters or you're talking about your checkbook or you're talking about your relationship with your kids or your spouse. You need the Word of God. It is useful to teach you what is true and to reveal areas where you're not doing so well. So let's be clear here. We need to be reading or listening to Scripture regularly. That is what a healthy diet is. It's eating the right things regularly. And in terms of our information diet, the same is true. We want to be looking through those actual reality goggles all the time. And so when I think about getting the most out of time, I'm going to share in just a minute, I'm going to share four easy things to help you when you spend time in God's Word. Some questions that you can ask. But before I get into the questions, we don't often consider um, that when we're in the Bible, unlike your favorite, um, you know, DYI channel or blog or whatever, we are hearing from God. The Spirit is the Word of God is the sword of the Spirit. The, the, the Bible is sharper than any two-edged sword. Like God is in there. He's working. He's interacting with you when you are in Scripture. And I say that just to say, how about when I spend time in the Word, when I'm doing my daily Bible study, how about before I say, hey, Spirit, speak to me today. Let me hear what you want me to hear. Let me see what I need to see about my life and about what I need to be doing, what I don't need to be worrying about, and maybe what I do need to be concerned about. And I love, you know, Samuel hears this voice at one point when he's young, and Samuel in 1 Samuel chapter 3 says this, verse 10, he says to God, he says, speak for your servant is listening. Speak. For your servant is listening. Say that with me. Speak, for your servant is listening. When you open the Word of God, it's not just a book, guys. Speak, for your servant is listening. What are you going to tell me today, Lord? And so that would be the first thing it's an invitation. Lord, I need you to come into my time in your word, in my time of, of prayer and reflection today. The second thing would be observation. When I actually start reading, so what does the text say, right? I need to understand what are these words saying. And then I go beyond observation and I say, what's the meaning? Meaning is a deeper level. I can see what it says. Now, what does this mean? What did it mean for the Ephesians? What did it mean for Joseph? What did it mean for the people who originally received it. And then number four, the fourth question you can ask uh, simply in your Bible time is this, and it's how do I apply this to my life? Application. Um, how does, what does this mean for me today and going forward? Um, I got an email this week from a young man here at Preston Crest 
uh, just, and I won't share the details, it's not my place to share, but I'll just give you, because I think it bears on what we're talking about this morning. It was kind of a cry for help. He said, I need spiritual orientation here. I feel like God is, in my work circumstances, orchestrating a lot of misery for me and listed out a bunch of things that are happening at work, and yeah, they weren't great. And you know what I did? I don't need to share you the, any of the specifics or anything because I'm not giving you the situation. What I did was I didn't just share my thoughts. I gave him nine different passages in, Bible, in the Bible with a word or two. I said, think about this. Think about how God is doing this. Think about how God uses circumstances to do this. Consider this. And I think we do each other a big favor, especially in the family here of believers, when we when we don't just share our own experiences, we need to be doing that, but we also share a word from the Lord, an apt word for someone's circumstances. And so I believe the Holy Spirit works in that. It is the sword of the Spirit. And so I'm hopeful that there was something that God had in there for his servant uh, to help him out this past week. And all of this, I'm going to finish here with a, with a little story from our time back in Brazil we moved there. It wasn't actually a personal story, but we moved there in the same year that this happened in Rio. Uh, that year, 2008, there was a luxury apartment building, 22 stories tall in the Baja, the nice part of town. Um, and this apartment building collapsed. Thankfully, it was during Fetius, the vacation time when a lot of people in Rio are traveling. So the building wasn't full, but 130 families lost their homes and a number of people actually lost their lives. And the big question after this tragedy, of course, people were scared because lots of people live in high-rise apartment buildings in Rio. And so the question is, what happened? This luxury high-rise, maybe 200 meters from the beach, how did this thing just collapse? And so there was a big investigation. And the number one thing that they found out about the collapse of, of the Palace 2 apartment building in Rio was that the engineer had made a cost-saving choice to use beach sand, which was plentiful right there, in mixing the concrete. And apparently beach sand, it's actually written into the, like laws were broken. You're not supposed to use that in these kinds of constructions. So what you ended up with was a very weak foundation. You may be ahead of me on this. Didn't Jesus tell a story about some guy using beach sand in his construction project? Matthew chapter 7. And same deal. Bam, that thing collapsed when some bad weather hit. And Jesus said, but there was another guy. He built his home on a rock. <laughs> his foundation was rock. And that house stood up to the storms and the trials that came its way. Matthew 7, Jesus said, so he makes the application. He said, anyone who what? Who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise. It's like the person who builds a house not on beach sand but on solid rock. And when Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching for he taught with real authority, quite unlike their teacher's of religious law. 
So here's where we need to land today. I got to ask you this. Whose authority or whose teaching are you turning to over and over Monday morning, Tuesday afternoon, Friday night? Where are you turning for your information, for your understanding? Are you building on the rock of the Word of God, the teachings of Christ, or are you somewhere else? As disciples of Jesus, we want to hear the teaching of God, and then we want to deploy that teaching in our lives. As Jesus said, hears it and follows it. And so let's build our wisdom pyramid on His Word. This morning, you can put Jesus on in baptism. You can say, I need you, Lord. I'm done with my self-salvation project. It's not working. I repent. I turn away from my selfishness, and I want to turn to you. I need your grace. I need the redemption that comes through your blood at Calvary. That's the good news. He died for your forgiveness. He died to set you on a brand new course in a right, right relationship with God where you see the way things truly are. You can make that decision today and declare Jesus to be your Lord and your Savior. Maybe you need prayers. We'd love to pray with you this morning. Uh, maybe you want to learn more about being a member of this church, part of our family here at Preston Crest, and we would love nothing more than to tell you what you can do, what we can do to get to know each other better and for you to be part of the Preston Crest family of believers. But right now, probably the most important thing we can do is once again lift up the name of God. So let's do that as we stand and sing together. When peace like a river
Please come back tonight at 6 p.m. We will have a devotional led by Gordon, and then remember the chili cook-off, which everybody is looking forward to. Remember February 3, 4, and 5 for telling the story event here at Preston Crest. The elders encourage every member to attend this enriching seminar. If you have not yet registered, please do so online. Our take-home scripture for tonight, as Gordon mentioned, Psalms 119, verse 105, is take your word. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And the congregation said, Amen.